London Calling. London Walks Connecting. London Walks here with your daily London fix. Story time, history time. The Oxford English Dictionary defines history as the narration, representation, or study of events or phenomena, which pleases me no end. Pleases me because I often begin my Hampstead walk by saying the most important event in London's history took place 750,000 years ago. And that's by way of saying the River Thames used to flow several miles north of here through what is today called the Vale of St. Albans. A glacier, and we're talking about a big ice cube here, we're talking about a mountain of ice a mile high, diverted the Thames down to its present location. Is that important? Look, no Thames, no London. It's as simple as that. And I'm always aware when I put it that way that if you plump for a narrow definition of history, for example, a written narrative constituting a continuous chronological record of important or public events, especially in a particular place, or of a particular trend, institution, or person's life, and if written records are a fundamental building block of history, well, there were no written records produced 750,000 years ago. We're not even sure there were human beings here 750,000 years ago, at least permanently here. Twelve years ago, archaeologists in Norfolk found flint tools that dated to about 900,000 years ago. The people who used them were early humans, known as hominoids, but they will have been itinerants, tourists who rolled up in the warmer eras between ice ages. So in that narrower sense, important public events for which there was a written record, something that happened 750,000 years ago doesn't qualify as history. And that's why I'm pleased that first definition of history in the Oxford English Dictionary is the narration, representation, or study of events or phenomena in those terms, the action of that glacier diverting the Thames to its present location does count as history. And beyond question, it's the most important event in London's history. I would, of course, say there is a written record. That history is written in the landscape. The course of the Thames, the bowl of hills that London nestles in, the bowl of hills carved out, over eons by the Thames and known as the Thames River Valley. I make the point that up in Hampstead, we are in effect ridge walking. We're moving along on part of the northern rim of that bowl of hills. Anyway, so much for definitions. So much for the start of my favorite London walk of all, Old Hampstead Village and Hampstead Heath. I brought all of that up because making that point about the most important event in London's history being that glaciers diverting the Thames to its present location and no Thames, no London, well, a statement like that has the impact of the opening bars of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. No Thames, no London, you're on your way. Up ahead, you haven't glimpsed it yet, but I have. Up ahead is something that happened Something that got started on this day, July 2nd, 1798, 
in London history, something that reinforces that fundamental point about London's history, the quintessential importance of the Thames to this town. We'll get there, but first, let's just row this boat a little bit further. Row it by reading a couple of favorite passages, and no apologies thereof. I mean, after all, I do introduce this podcast by saying, story time. So first, here's a fascinating couple of graphs Michael Hebert penned nearly 30 years ago. For London is a legendarily difficult city to get to know. A dense, irregular street network extends over 600 square miles, joining a hundred or so local centers into a continuous, built-up mass with 7 million residents. Well, now it's, of course, closer to 9 million. It is a messy map with few unifying features. No ring road except the outer orbital M25 motorway, no axial boulevards, no consistent street grid, and no clearly defined downtown. Buckingham Palace has the grand approach route of the Mall, but all the other landmarks are tucked informally into the street plan. London's strongest morphological feature is the River Thames. Flowing through the heart of the city, from west to east on the ebb tide, and east to west on the flood, it divides north from south and provides, what the street layout does not, a long-distance setting for its greatest monuments, St. Paul's and the city churches, the Palace of Westminster, the Tower of London. In the terminology of Kevin Lynch's classic study of the image of the city, it is a strong edge feature, a reference point or axis for building your mental map of London. But orientation to the river can be tricky. Perhaps only cabbies fully appreciate the effect of its twists and turns. The Thames enters at the far southwest of London, beyond Hampton Court Park, and winds north for seven miles around the gravel terraces of Richmond Hill. Its eastward course from Kew Bridge to the Aerith Salt Marches is a sequence of meanders, 20 miles as the crow flies, but 30 by boat. As it loops, the river bends the space around it, playing strange tricks of disorientation. When you look across the river at Big Ben from the south bank, you are not seeing the south face, as common sense suggests, but the north. And from a train leaving Waterloo Station, parallel with the river towards Vauxhall, all four faces of the famous parliamentary landmark come into view in sequence. Magnificent stuff. Thank you very much, Michael Hebert. And here's another short read. This is me, David. These are the words that open the London Walks book, London Walks, London Stories. The opening chapter, no surprise this, is called Temesis, the which is the ancient name for the River Thames. Five short paragraphs. Here we go. The best way to see London is to hear it. The Thames, Londinium, Londonwick, Londonburg, Thames Street, Fleet Street, The Strand, Shipwrights Lane, Holborn, Strand Bridge, Queen Hythe, Paul's Wharf, Bankside, Walbrook, Millbank, Horse Ferry, Chelsea, Putney, Stepney, Hackney, Battersea, Bermondsey, Thorney, 
Eastbourne, Westbourne, Kilburn, Tyburn, Marylebone, Moorfields, Greenwich Palace, Palace of Westminster, Whitehall Palace, Custom House Stairs, Swan Stairs, Fishmongers Hall, the common denominator, the Thames. The Mississippi drains a continent, small beer really, the Thames drains time itself. It's entirely appropriate that Greenwich, London's harbor town, should be the birthplace of time, and that Time's lighthouse, Big Ben, the most famous clock in the world, could be mistaken for a ship's lantern high up in a mast. The Thames, London. Notice the sequence. It's the correct one. The travel agent's brochures speak of the Thames as London's river. Close, but no cigar. It's the other way round. London is the Thames town. No Thames, no London. It's as simple as that. The Thames was here before London. The Thames is the reason London is where it is. The Thames made London. Look at the 1572 Braun and Hogenburg map of London. Many of those same streets are there today, nearly four and a half centuries later. To the south of St. Paul's, towards the river, there are only three streets running east to west. The other axis, the north-south axis, is a different story. There are 15 or so north-south streets, a ratio of five to one. What that tells us is that it wasn't so desperately important to be able to go east or west. And in any case, for that, you had London's largest and most important street, the River Thames. What was vitally important was to be able to go north or south. And it's not the compass points that are important here. What's important is what lay to the south, the River Thames. London is oriented to its river. And all of that's by way of a scene setter for Today in London History, July 2nd. July 2nd, 1798, day one of the Marine Police who became the Thames River Police, the first professional police force in London. Policing in London, like London itself, is a legendarily complicated matter. There's not even a simple answer to the simple question, how many police forces does London have? One list would say the Met, Scotland Yard in other words, the City of London Police, British Transport Police, and the Ministry of Defense Police. But I'm tempted to lengthen that list out by adding the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Force. They guard embassies and Parliament. And yes, they fall within the Specialist Operations Directorate of Scotland Yard. But they've got a lot of autonomy, so it's tempting to think of them as, in many respects, a separate police force. And ditto the Thames River Police, known today officially as the Marine Policing Unit. What a task they've got. They have responsibility for the 47 miles of the Thames between Hampton Court in the west and Dartford Creek in the east. As for their earliest beginnings, their history, they were started because the world's largest port, the Pool of London, was plagued with thefts. Merchants were losing an estimated half a million pounds a year of cargo from ships docked in the Pool of London. It was walking, disappearing, 
stolen. In today's money, that'd be nearly 60 million pounds down the tubes. West Indian planters and merchants were persuaded to stump up for the Marine police to try to staunch the flow. So essentially, it was a private police force in those earliest days. It's a great London story in so many ways, not the least of which is the begetter was a Scot named Patrick Cahoon. Therein lies a London point that cannot be overemphasized. London is a city of immigrants. It's a city founded by immigrants, the Romans, and peopled by immigrants. Today, something like 37% of Londoners were born abroad. And a lot of those immigrants, our Scotsman Patrick Cahoon being one of them, have made a huge difference to London. They've been the making of this town. And the final point, the biggest takeaway nugget, that the first London police force should be a Thames police force. Well, that's exactly what you'd expect of a river town, of a city that wouldn't exist were it not for its river. Though I got it wrong there, didn't I? I said its river. In fact, London is the Thames town. It's not the other way around, as I said in the book. Now, today in London, I've already recommended the Thames River Police Museum once in this Today in London History podcast, and here I'm going to break my rule. The rule being, do a different recommendation every day. I'm going to break it because how can I not? On the day London's first police force, the Thames River Police, came into existence, how can I not recommend their museum? And you know something? There's such a thing as leap year. So counting leap year, we'll still make 365 different Today in London recommendations in this series. Be of good cheer. All is not lost. You've been listening to the Today in London History podcast, emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's local, time-honored, fiercely independent, family-owned, just-the-right-size walking tour company. And as long as we're at it, London's multi-award-winning walking tour company. Indeed, London's only award-winning walking tour company. And here's the secret. London Walks is essentially run as a guides cooperative. That's the key to everything. It's the reason we're able to attract and keep the best guides in London. You can get schlubbers to do this for 20 pounds a walk, but you cannot get world-class guides, let alone accomplished professionals. It's not rocket science. You get what you pay for. And just as surely, you also get what you don't pay for. Back in 1968, when we got started, we quickly came to a fork in the road. We had to answer a searching question. Do we want to make the most money? Or do we want to be the best walking tour company in the world? You want to make the most money, you go the schlubber's route. You want to be the best walking tour company in the world, you do whatever you have to do to attract and keep the best guides in London. You want them guiding for you, not for somebody else. Bears repeating, the way we're structured, a guides cooperative, is the key to the whole thing. It's the reason for all those awards, 
It's the reason people who know go with London Walks. The reason we've got a lively, loyal, fun, discerning following. Quality attracts quality. It's the reason we're able uniquely to front our walks with accomplished, distinguished professionals, barristers, doctors, geologists, museum curators, archaeologists, historians, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, a bevy of MVPs, Oscar winners, people who've won the Guide of the Year Award. Well, you get the idea. As that travel writer famously put it, if this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we put it, London Walks guides make the new familiar, and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London Walks, which is by way of saying, good Londoning one and all, and I just add, welcome back. You were sorely missed. See you tomorrow.